and welcome to a special episode of the Electric Shadows podcast with me, your host Rob Daniel, editor of electric-shadows.com and my learned colleague and I think it's pretty safe to say Doctor Who expert, Rob Wallace. Oh, thank you. That's, that's very kind. I like to think, you know, I've, uh, I've watched a couple of episodes here and there. I've watched he a lot of episodes. <laughs> he has watched a lot of episodes, but he's watched them a number of times. He's listened to the audiobooks. I think he's read the spin-off books. You've consumed a lot of Doctor Who well, in a in a great way. There's actually a sorry, this is uh I did say to Rob that this would be an episode in which oh, no, no, I no. would throw over to him, but to set the scene, well actually no, we should do plugs first, shouldn't we? So yeah, electric-shadows.com is my website. Of all the film sites.com is Rob's website, you should go and see that. Twitter handles, Rob? Um at Robert M. Wallace. You may have seen my tweet about about uh, this discussion about what about we're about to discuss. You probably haven't seen my tweet. I was very proud. I don't. I have no Twitter presence. I caught this thing very quickly, and I did a Doctor Who related retweet, and people seemed to quite like it. So that was it was a big moment for me. Rob did a really really good tweet, and he's he's with customary modesty. He's downplaying it. Yeah, it was announced a couple of Fridays ago that on Sunday it would be announced who was the new Doctor Who. This was just. Just landed, wasn't it? It was like a surprise release announcement. Well, that was I was I was watching. I was at the, I was at a pub enjoying a Friday night pint with uh, with a mate, and we were watching. Uh, I, I think Wimbledon. I think Wimbledon had just ended. Well, that day's Wimbledon had ended, and uh, they wish this this trailer came out. A little key on this sort of stone plinth, and electricity's coming up. It's like oh, that's weird. Watching BBC, and um, sort of failing. Don't watch a lot of live TV, so sort of failing to a twig that obviously this is to be something that's going to be on the BBC. And suddenly the number thirteen starts appearing around the place. Like there's the thirteen. There's the the number on ten Downing Street turning to a thirteen. There's the thirteen in you know sand. And uh, me, being a, a self-proclaimed big Doctor Who fan, just not twigging this. <laughs> and it keeps on the number 13, number 13, and number 13. Me going, what is number 13? What's this got to do with all something? Meet the 13th Doctor on Sunday after the men's Wimbledon final. You <laughs> So I, I sort of jumped on Twitter and I did this, you know, little, you know, I sort of basically relayed that in a much more pithy 140 characters, along with a, a tweet of, a, a gif of David Tennant going, what? You know. <laughs> What? And and I think I beat the official BBC tweet, um, BBC account to do it. And as suddenly this thing started to blow up. I occasionally, you know, I'll get somebody liking or you know, Mr. Daniel occasionally very kindly retweeting something. <laughs> I've, but no, this got something like uh, two hundred retweets and yeah, six hundred likes. It went viral. Yeah, you went viral. It I went, was because he sent me a text. I think saying I'm trending on Twitter. And it's like okay. Hopefully it's for something good. Hopefully he hasn't been arrested. So I looked at my Twitter and said, what? <laughs> We're going to learn who the new Doctor is on Sunday. Wow, that's amazing. And it was a really good tweet. So, of course, I had to retweet it. And, uh, yeah, but it was, it was really cool. And it was, really, it, was, it was a fun way to find out. And let's get into the meat of this podcast, which is about Doctor Who. And this was something that you asked if we could do on the Dunkirk podcast and yeah it deserves a special episode so before we get into that I just want to say I grew up on Doctor Who because I grew up during the 70s um late 70s early 80s and I watched Doctor Who and I but I kind of watched a lot of it you know once and it was something I really liked but that's all it was but one of the great things is when Rob talks about Doctor Who because it's in some ways I would say for some of the stories actually more enjoyable to hear Rob talk <laughs> about it than to watch it well, yeah, I any of the Colin it. Baker stuff is like I'd much rather li- uh, listen to you talk about it than actually watch it in all fairness a lot of the Colin Baker stuff I would rather 
to my own hold, talk about it, then watch <laughs> it again. I, um, I think I sat, I sat you down a while ago, and uh, we watched Ghostlight, mm. the uh, the Sylvester McCoy story, the uh, the the, the mad as assholes, absolutely mad as assholes, but really, and I'm not entirely sure that I understood everything that was going on in it, but I really admired just that it was all about ideas, and the best Doctor Who because, of course, they didn't have much money during the original run, is all about ideas. Honestly, one thing I love about the format, and I think, I think, I think in this, Doctor Who could, could legitimately run forever, for, also for reasons we'll get into in a minute, but there's this character. Uh, they are the, the smartest, funniest, best, bravest. You know, not in, they're, they're, not, they're, not, flawed, they're not, not flawed, they're not, not conflicted, but there's this character, and they've got a mach- and they've got a machine. It's a magic box, and it'll take them anywhere in time and space. And they've got a companion, like a, you know, human, usually human companion, who you know embodies a lot, a lot of the best traits of humanity. And as long as the show keeps it reasonably family friendly, it can be a horror, it can be a comedy, it can be tragedy, it can be grand, it can do it can do small moments, and it can take place anywhere in time or space, fictional or real. Mm. And which is not a bad in terms of a premise. Yeah, like, as a premise, that's absolutely fantastic. Right. So this is something that Rob asked if we could do. I'm always going to listen to Rob talk about Doctor Who. I think I know what what the approach of this episode is going to be, but I'm not entirely sure. So Rob, over to you. What are we talking about? I, I think of uh, the. Oh, I don't think there's anything important that's happened to Doctor Who recently. To be honest, I just started to start doing this on a whim. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, as we sort of discussed, they announced the thirteenth Doctor, and it was la- it was last no Sunday before last. Now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, so we're a little bit behind on this, but um, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you probably already know the new Doctor, the thirteenth Doctor. Um, I'm not counting the Wall Doctor. There's some fudging going on. Is uh, has been announced as Jodie Whittaker, Jodie Whittaker of um, Attack the Block and a Broadchurch, Broad which she worked with uh, Chris Chimnall, who's taking over from Stephen Moffat as showrunner. And, and she also worked with... Oh, oh, David Tennant, of course. And, um, uh, and also a film, a little indie, British indie dramedy from last year called Adult Life Schools, which I really recommend if you want to get a look at her, her, com- her, her comedic chops. And, and this is great. Uh, she's already on... Uh, IMDb for the Christmas episode uh, uh, Twice Upon a Time in which Capaldi will regenerate into, well, Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker um, just, just to spell it out is the, will be the first female Doctor. Yeah. And do you know the great thing about this is that it completely confirmed my belief in humanity that everyone was happy when it was announced that we were going to have a female Doctor. I am, of course, being bluntly ironic. It was met. With, it was a mixed reaction. I think everybody, and this is going to sound, this is going to sound a little bit. Um, I don't, actually, don't care how this sounds. Everybody who matters <laughs> has the right opinion of this, and that's, that's also going to end up sounding slightly classist in a sec. Um, no, no, no. no. I, when when this was now, I think I think it's a I think it's a huge a, a necessary step for the show. I mean, they've been teasing a the idea of a female Doctor for a couple. They, they first considered it back when Peter Davis and the Fifth Doctor was you know regenerating. They oh, really? in the newspaper they cut a couple of column inches to you know is the new Doctor going to be a woman? Uh, and we you know we were open to it you know forty years ago, um, you know theoretically open to it. And the idea that you know the last couple of years they've been teasing we've got we had a female master we had Missy we well, had the thing yes I I couldn't quite get my head around the fact that there was so much animosity to this because it's like well no one seemed to mind there was a female master 
people did mind. They oh, just they? minded less because they could kind of just go. Eh, fine. Well, because women are evil. Yeah. <laughs> so um, therefore, it's like as far as these people who are complaining on the internet, it's like, well, women are duplicitous and they never show you their real faces anyway. So it's perfect that she's yeah. the master. Exactly. Um, no, I, I never, I never, I, I never see any woman from behind my keyboard. Their actual faces. So, um, and. They'd sort of been teasing it for a while. You said you'd seen another Time Lord regenerate into. I think I think they're using Time Lord as a unisex term now. I don't think they've. I think I think they've dropped Time Lady, right? Which I which I know which used to be the. Part so they actually used Time Lady before. They've used Time Lady before, right? Yeah, essentially, it reached the point where it couldn't just be another white male, and that's and with, you know with some degree of change, you know. It's surprising that more doctors, uh, for, especially from the new run, or sort of going back to um, Sylvester McCoy, have been Scottish or Northern than have been Londoners, like Estuary, RP. Mm. Because you've got McCoy, uh, Scottish. You've got um, uh, Eccleston, Northerner. Uh, you've got Tennant, Scottish. You've got Smith, who's a Londoner. Smith. And, uh, Matt Smith. Matt Smith, yes. And then you've got Capaldi, who's Scottish. You know, and it was interesting. You know, obviously, in the, they let Capaldi use his Scottish accent in a way that I think I still think David Tennant must have been a little bit annoyed at because I'm bloody Scottish. He had me put on that Eng- the the, uh, the English accent for and he'll find it, He's done very well out there out of his English accent. I mean, that's his accent. I mean, like you know, in Broadchurch, that's well, his accent. I mean, it's... well, his uh, Scottish accents in Broadchurch. Is it? Yeah, he uses his Scottish accent in Broadchurch. Oh, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, you're right. Christ, I, I, he uses, I misremembered he, he that. Uses English. English, he uses his English accent in Jessica Jones. Yes, that's what I'm thinking that's, of. Sorry, yes. That's, um, that was the recent tenant I was thinking of. And Capaldi was a bit older, and, and that was very interesting, even though it did actually have a hit on the viewing figures. Because well, teenage girls stopped watching it because it wasn't Smith or Tennant. Oh, really? And, and one oh, of the reasons, right. apparently, they gave um, Capaldi sonic sunglasses and had him break out his guitar he used to be in a punk rock band yeah. is because to appeal to the genius boys to give him a little bit cool give him a bit of edge um, which I didn't think particularly well, no I didn't think it was because well, we're, not, we're not teenage boys oh okay yeah in, in many aspects we are teenage boys <laughs> yes indeed uh, there is a certain amount of arrested development here but I would be interested to see if that if that resonated with, with teens as well because I don't know I mean I really like Capaldi's Doctor did I read that he was that he said ultimately he's been a bit disappointed by his run as the Doctor? I don't know if he said that. Other people, I agree. I, I I've been disappointed by Capaldi's run as the Doctor because at least for the first season they had obviously in my reading is with the whole "Am I a good man?" storyline they had no idea of how they wanted to write him. All they knew is that he wasn't Matt Smith. They yeah. he, he was he was not hyphen Matt Smith. Stephen Moffat. The Doctor, he was always going to write. He did very well writing for um, both Eccleston and Tennant. But his inherent sympathies in writing for a Doctor was always going to be this slightly more quirky, hyper-intelligent, you know, that sort of aspect of the character. Youthful aspect of the character. And I don't quite know why they didn't just seize on Capaldi, you know, because Matt Smith was the old man in a young man's body. Mm. I don't quite know why they didn't seize on Capaldi. You'd you'd think they'd go, well, it's a young man in an old man's body. Um, which again, they, they they both sound like set up something entirely different. Yeah. Um, um, but with Capaldi, it took them about a season, but before they started sort of bouncing out, take, uh, taking off the rough edges, and they went to two parts in his second season, which gave them more the writing some more consistency. And, and yeah. I think the first season arguably has has more standout episodes because they were taking more risks with the writing because they didn't know who the character was yet. Yeah. Um, so you had episodes. I, I, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of Into the Dalek. I do like Mummy on the Orient. I oh, know actually, Mummy on the Orient Express was. I think it was first his first season. In any case, they had, they had some. Into the Dalek was great. Yeah. yeah. Into, um, uh, and then his third season. And then his third season, they kind of cracked it. It's been very even, apart from the final two-parter, which was you know, 
it's, it's had some ups and downs, but it's been uh, on the whole very. There's there's been no, no nothing absolutely duff in it, and we also I think he also had one of the best Christmas episodes with the alien one with Father Christmas. Oh, with, with the with um, the head crafts. Yeah, with the. I wasn't that big a fan. I haven't been that big oh, a fan no. of the Capaldi. That's because, admittedly, my two favourite uh, Christmas episodes are the first. It's the Christmas Invasion, yeah, with uh, with the Sycorax and David Tennant swung around with you know his gown, his satsuma in his pocket, and his Arthur Denting. Yeah, his, his, his Arthur Denting it. And I am a fan of the Christmas Carol episode that Matt Smith did. That I know that you're not. Yeah, because that's shit. <laughs> that sorry, but it is one of those. That's the one where a shark tows um, a sleigh, and. It seems like in the September of that year, they said, how are we doing with the Christmas special for Doctor Who this year? And Stephen Moffat said, this year? I thought we weren't going to do one this year. And pulled out a script that was half written because it just seemed, oh, that just did not work for me. But of course, I... you, you, you are missing, though, in my humble opinion, the best episode, the best Christmas episode and you'll know the name of it, and I can't actually remember it, but the David Morrissey one with the Cybermen. Oh, the the next Doctor. The next Doctor, yeah, which I thought was great. I, yeah, I, I, I thought it was fun. I figured out I figured out too early on, obviously, he wasn't going to be the next Doctor. Yeah, there would be, yeah. And, and, and again, yeah, giant. I mean, they, 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 they... But it's all that patriarchy, they, and, and she became what she hated they, by being... And they the, lampshade it late, later, why nobody remembers the giant Cybermen rampaging down the Thames. How did they do that? They kind of just went. Oh, I think it was the cracks. I think. Uh, I think it was the. I think. I think they get to it with the cracks. I don't. I don't think they. Don't think they left it as long as Capaldi. You know, kind right. of uh, swallowing things up, altering human history. Um, in any case, anyway, yes, uh, this is all. To, it's all preamble to the fact that we now have a female doctor. A female doctor, and um, there has been some. Backlash from certain areas of the internet. If you want, to, if you want, to, if you want to despair about humanity, just go onto the bottom page, the bottom, the comment section, the bottom page of any Yahoo News article talking about the new female doctor. You know, such such gems as well. You know, the show's done fifty years and bloody PC political, political correctness has killed it. It's not Nurse Who. Uh, you know, it's not Nurse Who. Jeez, I mean, as as you said earlier, like com- like the comedians have gone whole careers without anything coming up coming up with anything so sublimely stupid in it. Yes. There are some comedians who would love to write something as cleverly stupid as it's Doctor Who, not Nurse Who, and not understand why that is a ridiculous thing to say. There are, there are some comedians who say, that's so clever in its stupidity, I will never be able to be that funny. Because <laughs> it is a laughable I mean, It's an Alan Partridge line. Alan it Partridge. is natural. Yeah, it is. And, and, and obviously your other, your other particular favourite. Well, my favourite. And there was this really good thing that this guy did where he took all of the absolutely ridiculous Twitter comments and put them as episode titles on on the background of the opening credits in the same font and one of them was don't want a TARDIS full of bras and it was like a TARDIS full of bras should be the name of a Doctor Who episode of course he also doesn't fucking realise it's like well Doctor Who always has a female companion so there will be bras I mean, there might, the there might have been a period during the 60s when they weren't when there yeah, weren't any bras in the TARDIS but yeah the TARDIS has always had bras and also, I think he's underestimating the capacity of the TARDIS to contain bras. Because, like, if you ever heard the Doctor giving directions within the TARDIS, it's like you know, third left, second right, da 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 da. da. You know, I don't, I don't think it's going to run out of room. There is probably a Marks and Spencers on the TARDIS where there is an, an entire 
female underwear section. It's, and it's always been there. So therefore, this guy who doesn't want a TARDIS full of bras is... He's been wrong all these years. And the thing, I don't know, the thing with, with this was... I, I, I like to think that's the extent of his wrongness in his life. That, Christ, that's yeah. just wrong. I think it's probably, it's probably a, 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 a sign of something far deeper. Yes, he is fundamentally wrong in his thinking about... Well, about the potential for change. Because this, is, this just reminded me of when... When pop culture gets annoyed because things haven't gone the way that they wanted it to, and you see it with um, someone posted a thread from Twitter, I think it was, or some kind of chat forum, when it was announced that Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker, and the vitriol, the sheer fan hatred on this page about the casting of Heath Ledger as the Joker, and how they weren't going to watch the film, that he had destroyed the series, that, that you couldn't have Heath Ledger. It, it, it should be Sean Penn or it should be Gary um, Paul Bettany or someone like that. Would you remember Craig not Bond? There's still the website. Oh yeah, Craig, Craig, Craig not Bond, yeah, saying that you, we, we can't have a blonde Bond. This is the reason why we shouldn't be surprised that there was such a backlash against the female Doctor Who because when we had a blonde Bond, it almost ended... Yeah, the world for some people for for uh, until they saw the film, and that's the thing is that you think these are not competition winners. These are professional actors who did an audition, and yeah, by all accounts, the audition that Jodie Whittaker gave was phenomenal. Yeah, that's the thing. They so far we are we we've, we've had a lot of doctors at this point, and they haven't like you know I, everyone's got their own personal favourites. I think we can make there's a strong case for me. They haven't fucked it up yet. No, and it, yeah, that's right. They, no, because even Colin Baker was good when the show oh, wasn't too good. Oh, around oh, yeah, him. that's the thing. Colin Baker, you know, again, he had problems with his characterization from the very beginning. He starts, you know, he starts his after his regeneration with him throttling his companion. Um, and oh, right, I remember that. Re- yeah, regeneration trauma. Don't, it's, it's not something we'd like to talk about. Um, <laughs> um, but he's he's now he's gone on to win the best big finish. The big finish being the audiobooks. He's been voted the best big finish doctor because. He does say his character is bombastic and grand eloquent and pretentious, but he has a real warmth and, and again, compassion to him that really that you know needed better writing in order to shine. Yeah. And and uh, Colin Baker's tweet about when you know, um, um, about when when Jodie Whittaker was cast and in echoing his own first lines as the characters, change my dears and not a moment too soon. She is the Doctor whether you like it or not. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Change, my dear. And on a moment too soon. And that's the thing; it had to be now, yeah. Because and and you know because you know you could argue it should have been earlier, but I think that now the tide of popular opinion on a lot, apart from the keyboard warriors and apart from the people who go bloody political correctness, you know, I'm never going to watch it again. Who I'd argue, I don't think anybody who was a massive fan, like a a devout follower of Doctor Who. Who really loves the show in their bones? You know, I started watching. I watched started watching the show when I was at, when I was at, in my early teens. Before it came back, I used to get up every Saturday. This was my thing. I used to get up every Saturday and Sunday morning, and they'd air a full story, like however many episodes between three and six, depending on how many were in the story, uh, on UK TV Gold. And it was six or seven o'clock in the morning, and I would have watched a story by the time Mum and Dad and my sister came down. And I did that. You know, every, every Saturday and Sunday morning, I could. For like the better part of half a decade, <laughs> and and you know I, I I I watch I've watched just about as much Doctor Who as you can actually watch. You know, 
part, you know, excusing the lost tapes, which is going to end up in someone's attic, are going to be discovered in someone's attic in Sierra Leone, as they as they always seem <laughs> yeah, to be. Just like, how did it get to Argentina? Like inexplicable, wonderfully inexplicable places. Um, but that's the thing. Like we've now reached a point where if 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 they had just gone for you know Chris Marshall was mooted, then Chris Marshall's now being mooted for the companion. I think there are, I think there are worse people who could play the companion if they yeah. want to do an inversion of it. But I think it, I think they should really annoy all the keyboard warriors and the um, yeah, political correct uh, anti-political yeah. correct brigade by having a black companion just to say look there you go we have doubled down and we're going to uh, and we're going to have a black companion and like a female doctor and it's going to be it's going to be good for you <laughs> and that's the thing it's like oh but I, you know he's got, uh, Peter Davidson said something a little bit I, I, again, I think he means it in the best possible way. He said something about you know, well, what, young boys aren't going to be able to look up to her as a role model. It's like, no, it's called it's called like empathy, and it's called and it's like, and I understand. So, well, young girls, I think, have looked up to Doctor Who as a role model, and that's for thing, and, and, a number of years, like yeah, fifty or sixty. Yeah. And that's the thing, and which is not to say that you know reinventing. That's the thing. Men have a lot more like heroic role models in film. The whole thing about them rebooting the Ghostbusters and you know, as, uh, and I and I totally get that. And the fact you is get that, the, the fact what, is sorry. Uh, like why why that is an interesting thing to do and why that's necessary. And that's the thing. The Doctor works entirely well as you know, I think I'd like to think entirely well, male or female, because it is they are a brilliant character. Well, also they are an alien. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like but this goes back to they're going to exp- at some point. Holdy's going to presumably explode in a book, explode with light, and turn into someone else as he's done as the character has done a dozen times before now. And I'm not sure if anyone has noticed this, but that's not how humans change and reproduce. It's a fucking alien, and I'm sorry, but this is the same as when Idris Elba was cast, and you know the character name I don't in Thor. As, as the gatekeeper was it Heimdall Heimdall who isn't black in the in the comic is he green or something like that or no I think or is he just white yeah I think he's just I can't I, can't remember, I think he's just white it's yeah, like yeah. you mean that you you don't like how this fictional version of I think I can say fairly inoffensively a fi- an already fictional character yeah and the thing there was he said yeah I don't understand why we can have green characters and purple characters and everyone's fine about it but when you make a character a black character, that somehow smashes the spirit of the comic. And it's like, you know, no, bla- no black stormtroopers. And I love the fact that the first face you saw in the trailer, in the first trailer for the new Star Wars film, was John Boyega. It was like, well, Star Wars has always been quite a white universe. And there was Lando Carusian, but there wasn't many other people who were black apart from Billy Dee Williams. And it seemed like a real statement of intent to say the first face you're going to see in the new Star Wars trailer is black and he's going to be you know, the main character or one of the two main characters. And do you know what? You're not going to even think the, about it when you see the film because it's it's just going to white, be good. The white... Now that's the thing. Is, you know, Rob and I are going to be having, having this conversation as again as two white dudes. We will. We will never lack. I cannot foresee. I cannot foresee a time where we lack for representation in media and the arts. That's right. And there is a thing there where it's like. I mean, and I'm being really, really patronising now by saying, look, and you're not even going to notice it because the film itself is going to be good, and John Boyega is going to give like a really good performance. But the reason why I thought I'm, I, well, I think I am being patronising here is because we're not going to notice it because we are well represented by everything else, but. Black kids are going to notice it because they suddenly have 
a hero in a Star Wars film who is you know, front and centre. And it's like, well, these are the good things that we... And, I mean, this is this is not an issue. And it's, and it's and nice it's, to think... In a way, it's, it's like, yeah, a bit dispiriting that we even happen to have this conversation about this, but it was inevitable. I think it's not, And it would be nice to think that Hollywood have done this out of the goodness of their hearts because they thought, oh, you know, it's time, we need to do this, we need to change. No, they've done it because they figured out they can make money from it. Then it makes, then it makes sense for them... For them, you know, for them on a on a, not on a, just a, on pro- a demographic reach. on a, on a de- <laughs> demographic reach, and just in terms of, and that's great, and that, it's not great because it would yeah, be really that, nice if capitalism wasn't quite so quite, quite so cynical. It would be better if, like, yeah, the progressive depiction of race on film wasn't so guided. Or race and gender, it, yeah, it wasn't. Was but, it? but then it's like we think, well, look, yeah, there has to be change at some point. And to be honest, the world we live in right now, there is always going to be a profit margin put against these things. And you can bet your bottom dollar that there was like a lot of focus groups and like a lot of research was done into, well, if we have a black stormtrooper or, or, or if we have a female Doctor Who, what impact is that going to have on is, our bottom line? I, and they decided, to, do you know what? It isn't enough for us not to do it. And this thing, I, I know obviously they, they didn't take the decision lightly. Even though Chimnall says it's something that he he or he wanted to do with the character, from you know, it's kind of an idea that he'd had with the character, which makes all the illusions that Moffat, you know, has been making in the previous series. It makes the suggestion that actually this is something that's been on the cards for a while. Um, but no, it feels like the BBC, because obviously it's a show, because there has been the backlash, and it is a show that does that is beloved in a, and based around you know, it's called Doctor Who, and this is the character of the Doctor. It feels less cynical I'd argue than then then you know than it might otherwise have done because it is it is and it shouldn't be a risk yeah in in a way that in the same way that Capaldi was a risk and in the same way that yeah in changing anything that's been around for 50 54 years is a risk but it's good it's a what is a good risk it's it shakes things up it's simultaneously terrible that casting a woman it would be considered a shake-up but great that it is because the show kind of needs a shake-up. And I'd say it's actually more of a risk in Star Wars because, one, it's Star Wars, so therefore it's going to make money anyway. And two, you have Daisy Ridley, who is a pretty white girl, who is joint lead in that film. And you've got your man, Lewin Davis. <laughs> well, uh, Oscar Isaac. Also known as Oscar Isaac. Who, who is Guatemalan, is, from a Guatemalan background. So. He is Guatemalan, so he does have that kind of like you know, South American thing, but he is also has a you, touch of the hand solo about him. At the moment, you've still got Luke. Well, oh, well, wow, now that, well, now, now that I'm going to spoil, sorry guys, Han Solo's died, and, <laughs> and, and, and really tragically, of course, Carrie Fisher's actually died. So it's like, is, is Luke, is Luke, yeah, you're gonna have to introduce another white person, or or you know, Star whole, Wars. The whole thing just gonna collapse. The whole thing's gonna be out of whack. That's right. The whole thing's gonna be out, out of whack, and this alien world is going to have too too many aliens. It's gonna it's gonna the yes, alien world might actually be in some way representative of a global population. Yeah, taking that a step too far. But the thing here is, I, I, I think that it is a bigger risk for Doctor Who because it is it is the main character. But then I think because I put out a tweet saying that I would be really happy if it's. Patterson Joseph, I have to admit, I thought they would go with a black man ahead of a woman for Doctor Who. And I don't know if wrong-headed on my point or just yeah, me thinking that they'll just they'll just keep the male part because that's a really important part and that's the part that's, that's the bigger risk. I'm glad there hasn't been, as far as I can tell, there might have been, that I might not just have seen it, there hasn't been any backlash over it not being a black male 
or over or not being a black woman you know and that's the thing I, well, I think it's because they're so focused on it being a woman that it's like when Obama was running for president and someone like Stephen Colbert said uh, yeah the Republicans um, completely screwed up their yeah, campaign this year because they were so focused on saying that he was a Muslim they forgot to point out he was black yeah <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, and I think they're just so focused on it being a woman that 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 their outrage has no time for anything else. And uh, Patterson Joseph, I think, would have been a really, really good. I think, I think he's and, great. He could, he, and he, he could still be. And he was in the show back in the first season or who's second Eccleston season. Oh, was he? Yeah, he I was. Uh, he was a uh, basically irate competition winner back on um, back in the season finale. Because right. um, I remember him. I mean, Johnson from Peep Show. Peep show. And he's and he's in um, Neverwhere. And he's also he's, he's, he's the Marquis. Wow. Mark I never watched that. He's also in The Leftovers, and he's very good in that. And he, yeah, he would be like a Red Doctor Who. I also said either Kurt Russell, which was always like a bit of a long shot, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it could that's still happen, fun, yeah. um, or Essie Davis from The Babadook. And I kind of think I've, I've got my Essie Davis with Jodie Whittaker, I think, and also yeah, much more canny casting because yeah, Jodie Whittaker is a little bit of a national treasure because of things like Broadchurch. So I think that there is enough love for Jodie Whittaker, just in general, and also the fact that she's a good actress. <laughs> I'm really glad they didn't do the whole cheesy. I mean, they they did they did they did sort of a, a 30 second clip of the Doctor sort of walking through the forest wearing a hoodie, and then you reveal the hand. It's a and it's a female hand, and the child is skipping. And the thing when you first see her wearing that hoodie, you're like, oh, that looks like a woman's build. However, the Doctor Who does have a habit of going for really skinny dudes. Yeah, it does. So. <laughs> Hat stand physique men, um, and, and, but then when you see her eyes, immediately you know you immediately get who it is. And I like that they did that. I thought I found the whole Capaldi reveal. Um, they did a show devoted to it, a bit cheesy because ultimately I don't know. I can't really get the whole story. So it wasn't Claudia Winkleman. It was somebody like Claudia Winkleman. Uh, is you know making a big deal of it and you know putting on that that yay. And they could be a big Doctor Who fan, but it's always going to see utterly sin- insincere. But they did that as well because I was really surprised that they didn't. Yeah, do a show for this one because they did it for Matt Smith as well, didn't they? When well, that's they, 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 they became... called it. They called it. I think they called it the tenth. Doc, the ten doctors. I guess kind of dropped it in. I think they were a little bit. Um, I think they were. They they revealed it at a point where people knew it was coming, but didn't know it was coming then. Right. And I can't quite. Remember. I think Tennant was just like released to the press. I think Tennant was just. It was lots of shots of him wearing the frills from Casanova in like you know. The, oh, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. For him, when it was. Um... Yes, indeed. When, because they wanted Crystal Freckleston to continue, didn't they? But yeah, and he bailed. Then, for for reasons. Since then, it's yeah turned out to be like a bit of a, well, you know, stories are that he was a bit hard to work with on on that show. He's also in the leftovers and is very good. Um, but yeah, when it was Tenham, because he he was just by far and away the most popular Doctor Who, so therefore him becoming a new Doctor was a big deal. So that's I think the first time they did the big show about who is it going to be. Um, and he had the interview with Tennant saying, I, I think it's the best choice. And it's like, ooh, yeah, who is it? It's Matt Smith. I've not heard of Matt Smith. Then again, I hadn't heard of David Tennant when when he I became the Doctor. And they were two fantastic Doctors. And then I I liked the fact that it was Peter Capaldi, because I've always liked Peter Capaldi. And, and that's the thing, you know, his, his tenure on the show, you forget how well established he was beforehand, and the fact that it has made you kind of forget about the thick of it, hasn't it? 
yeah. as soon as yeah. I say the thick of it, you go, of course, the thick of it. But that's, that's still there. That's still great. But you, you know, the, the the initial jokes and stuff about you know people editing Doctor Who together with Fitz and Malcolm Tucker going, oh fuck off, <laughs> um, you know, kind of very quickly subsided because he proved himself in the role and the character he clearly has huge love and affection for. And I'm really, you know, I'm excited about the Christmas episode, you know, the uh, uh, Twice Upon a Time with him and David Bradley as the William Hartnell Doctor. Yeah, that and, 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 kind, and them kind of regenerating, in, presumably regenerating in tandem and neither of them wanting to go and both of them being resistant to the idea of change. And it's got a whole um, sort of a winter, the, sort of the whole Christmas truth, truce during World War One. Yes. Right, is, yeah. uh, and, and Mark Gatiss playing a character called the Captain who's presumably related to the Brigadier. Who was oh, uh, well, who was the, the head of unit back in the uh, back in, started back in the Pertwee era? Well, uh, in Trelton into Pertwee era. Um, was it in Trelton unit? Uh, unit was in Trelton. I think they, oh, only, okay. did, they int- only introduced Brigadier. It might have been in Spearhead and Space actually. The first um, Pertwee era, though. I might be misremembering that because it's a bit neat. Um, but in any case, um, yeah. And then at the end of this, what I'm hoping is going to be a great two Doctor episode anyway. Jodie Whittaker is going to turn up and. When, when she does, uh, there are rumours that um, they're about Jenna Coleman as Clara, who was the main Capaldi, who was the Capaldi companion for the majority of his run, mm. uh, from from Smith into Capaldi, and of course Pearl Mackey is Billy, uh, sorry Bill, and uh, who disappeared off at the end of the of the, the most recent episode with Space Water Girl. That's not getting yeah, that's a different thing. <laughs> um, but in any case, there's a ru- I hope Bill is there when he regenerates. Uh, well, part of me hopes that he's by himself because it's always a bit more romantic when the Doctor's by himself facing it nobly alone. But then again, it's always nice to have someone there to react to them, you know. Well, uh, I think it was really good when Nicola Bryant was there too. Yeah. <laughs> that... I'm sure it's Peter Davison. <laughs> Peter Davison would... Yeah, he was in no way upstaged by... Uh... Yeah, I think that Peter Davison said that he wanted to kill the costume designer for that episode because his death scene was completely overshadowed by the fact that Nicola Bryant was wearing a very low-cut top <laughs> and she was basically spilling out of it and she was cradling him. And, I, and, as, and him giving a, a kid, great performance. As a kid, I did not... That just did not occur to me. And it's like, wow, and you would have been about nine or ten years old when you saw that. But it was big, But that was the thing, was that Peter Davison was my doctor. And because I remember watching Doctor Who as a kid when it was Tom Baker... And being so absolutely terrified of him. Oh, that I the curly head <laughs> maniac. That I just assumed he was the baddie. And my mum said, no, no, he's the goodie. And it's like, well, then who's the baddie? And then the Daleks arrived. And it's like, oh, this is amazing. But that big man there with the big coat and hat, it absolutely terrifies me. But Peter Davison was my doctor. And the fact that he was he was leaving was like a really, really big deal for me. And, and he got sent off at Caves of Androzani, which is arguably his strongest story in his, in his whole tenure, it's 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 a really great because he, he's doomed th- throughout. See, that's the thing is, I don't I don't remember the story that well. He, I he, remember he, him. He, he, he comes into contact with a spectrox toxania, which is a uh, <laughs> which essentially is a slow acting nerve poison. Uh, right. So it's it's, it's, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I have to go back and watch these. I mean, it and, is what, but then again, you can tell me about them because. And, <laughs> and it's the first instance of the Doctor giving up his life, his that, the current life, in order to save his companion, because there's only enough um, antidote for one, and he gives it to Perry. Does Eccleston do the same thing when he? Uh, yeah, okay, um, Hartnell, uh, first Doctor, 
uh, regenerates due, due to wearing a bit thin, gets old though they may retcon that in the new one, that might be another cause. Troutman's forced to regenerate by the Time Lord Spinny Spinny Void. Um, uh, the third Doctor is dosed fatally with radiation while on Metabitis 3, giant crystals, spiders. Uh, fourth Doctor falls That was John Pertwee. John Pertwee. Fourth Doctor Tom Baker falls from a radio telescope in Logopolis, and that's referenced by Missy explicitly. Like, we know you've fallen when they're talking about, you know, how they, how, how they might kill him in the, oh, in, right. in, in the season. In, See, I so remember that because I was on holiday in Skegness in, in, in a caravan and we all huddled around a tiny portable black and white that had the worst reception to see the Doctor Who change. Anyway, go on. Uh, and then Pete Davis and Spectre took Samia Poisoning turns into Colin Baker. Colin Baker's TARDIS was knocked off course by Rani who was a female, evil female Time Lord like the, the, the female master at that point and uh, he regenerated without Colin Baker even being present. It was... Uh, uh, didn't, he basically got fired and Sylvester McCoy was, is lying face on the floor wearing a wig. Um, oh, wearing, wow. Wearing a curly blonde wig. Uh, Sylvester McCoy was in the TV movie mowed down by, uh, by uh, not Yakuza, by, by, um, by well, yeah, you know, Triads. By, by Triads, sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, while exiting his TARDIS and regenerates in a morgue drawer. Uh, the eighth... In, do- and he turns into uh, Paul McGann. Yeah. The eighth Doctor, who only regenerated in the night of the Doctor... Which was done, uh, which was a mini episode that was done retroactively as part of Moffat's tenure right, to kind yeah, of fill in right. the gap and say, here's how he became not Christopher Eccleston's ninth doctor, but John Hurt's war doctor, right. who is introduced and, uh, and has basically an episode centered around him. And then he gets old and he, and he regenerates. He's also wearing a bit thin, he gets the line. Uh, Eccleston took on energy from Rose, energy from the time vortex, and kind of, you know. As a, and sacrificed himself as did Tennant Tennant sacrificed himself to save Will right, by yeah. going into the uh, going into the radiation booth you know he will knock three times was this prophecy about how he was going to die they thought it referred to the master turned out to be Wilf yeah. knocking, on the, knocking on the door of the booth which actually as a moment really really choked me up <laughs> it, was, it was great I mean, so, was, so well done that was the rest of the episode uh, the end of time is a little bit all over the place but it has uh, its cake and eat it doesn't it because it kind yeah, of like, yeah. has its, eats its cake, cake and has, and has it, it. <laughs> because he gets to Say goodbye to him, oh, yeah, everyone. He, he because his regeneration takes about a year or something. He, he, gets, he gets his farewell tour. Matt Smith got <laughs> old and regenerated on Trenzalore. Capaldi, uh, they, haven't, they haven't quite been 100% on what is actually forcing him to regenerate. It seems to be when, Which is like, good because I don't when, when the Cybermen grabbed him and kind of electric, electroshocked him, you know, uh, in the in the end, the final, in the, in the season well, finale again. Yet, but it's fine. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's all stands up in my box. I've just got so much to watch right now, but I, um, I will watch it. Um, uh, yeah, when we if we had this down, we'll try and redact your memory with it. Um, <laughs> but it makes it the first time, if in which case, that the monsters directly got him. Oh wow, that's interesting. Because previously, it's always been as a side effect yeah, of. Yeah, you know, oh, that's interesting. And yeah, so. which is which is then is good because then it's like, well, if this is the first time that the, that the monsters have directly got him, then he needs to become a different person. Yeah. To not have that happen again, so therefore becoming a woman, etc. I mean, like, yeah, there's a million things that that make this a a good decision. It's like, and yeah, not least of which is the fact that, well, she's a good actress. She's going to look cool in her outfit. It's going to be. It gives them a whole new range of things they could do and with it, this actress. And it's time that you know that um, that it's men who have to do now have to do the gender reverse cosplay instead of women having to do it. Well, that's a really good point as well. And I think that uh, having been to Comic Con, um, I love Comic Con. Um, I was there in was it May or June this year at the Excel Center, and there was a lot of cross dressing cosplay 
for both male and female, and it's like that's what I like about this place is that everyone's just dressing up as their favorite characters, and it doesn't matter what, what gender that character is. And is this if this is political correctness gone mad? Then I'm all it's for great. it because all these people are lovely, and you know what? I they are going to you know, give much better conversation than uh, than people are saying. It's not nurse who. And I don't want a TARDIS full of bras. I mean, that and feels like that's the one... You've destroyed the character. and Yeah, that feels... That person who came up with that must have been very, very proud. I mean, the thing is, it might not work because... It might not work because the writing... Because the writing might be... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm more worried about Chibnall than I am about Whitaker Because yeah, Chibnall's episodes so far have been all right. They haven't, no, they, he hasn't written any... It wasn't. That's the thing. Moffat came came in on some of the strongest episodes, some of the strongest single well, two parters. You know, he wrote the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances. He wrote Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. He wrote Blink, and mm, you know, he, right. he wrote you know he wrote some of the the some of the defining episodes of the pre of the previous two Doctors. Um, you know, I think uh, in the Doctor Dances where, where previous just, three Doctors, yeah, well, or just this once everybody lives was you know was fantastic so when he took over and with matt smith you know there was immediate there was no doubt that you know he had he had some brilliance but whether or not you know he could extend that over seasons and that's the thing is i'm i'm really sorry you want to finish up the right, but this thing is chibnall's slightly more workmanlike but in a part but one thing i've heard is that he's gonna have a writer's room which on one hand is gonna be quite interesting because you know the impression was that Moffat, you gave Moffat your script he did what he wanted to be told you know he told you what he wanted you wrote it he took it back he did this thing with it yeah um so yeah, I'm ultimately. It's, It'd be it's, interesting to see what he did with Neil Gaiman's script. Yeah, oh, well, because I, I, I don't think that, I don't think I think one of the things Neil Gaiman probably said is you're not fucking touching it. Yeah, indeed. I, I, because he has the clout to say that. Yeah, it's like you can make. No, no. So that, I can imagine because Neil Gaiman comes across as such a lovely person, and actually um, was lucky enough to interview him for Coraline many years ago, and he was as lovely as, as I hoped he'd be. I would imagine he'd say more than willing to collaborate on this, but. It's going to be a collaboration. You're not going to railroad me um, if there was any of that at all. But uh, I do think, though, that Stephen Moffat, and it's the, it was the same thing with Sherlock, was that they take the character in really interesting places and then they overcomplicate it. And they, Doctor Who, I, I'm actually quite looking forward to being more of a... Episode of the week, standalone kind of... Or, or even kind of like, yeah, those three episodes. Because it used to be like, yeah, you would have like a three episode arc or like a four episode arc or something like that. And they would be not self contained stories, but they would be stories. And you didn't have to know years and years and years of backstory because, yeah, the showrunner had decided that he was going to create this entire universe. And I do find uh, sometimes that is the flaw of, of Doctor Who. Not. Uh, not as much as Sherlock, where it was like, well, you've done a full James Bond now and you've actually really spoiled what the character is. Well, I'm making but, him blonde. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah, yeah you've, made, you've, you've given him curly hair. Yeah, so I am actually quite looking forward to there being a showrunner who might not make it more conventional, but just kind of get back to the self-contained stories like Ghostlight. Is that three episodes? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. And it was like, that's, I do like it when when the Doctor just lands in a situation, has to come up to speed on everything, and then, you know, sorts everything out. What, one, 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 nice, one nice thing I've heard, it's, 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 it's quite funny, it's, is that so many scripts they've received and have had to work with, it's like everybody always starts with the Doctor, with the TARDIS receiving, like, an emergency beacon. <laughs> like, like, getting the distress signal. And it's like, 
and, and we get it, and it's a good setup, it's a classic setup, but it's like, no, you have to just have the TARDIS land somewhere. I remember reading many years ago, and this was when Doctor Who was off the air, and people were submitting their Doctor Who books, because, as I've always said, I think that the great documentary that has not been made, that you should make, is what happened to Doctor Who when it wasn't on air. So from, was it 89 through to... 2000. And five with that little blip in 96 when we had that one episode with McGann. Because that's when Doctor Who, as we know it today, really formed. Because it was all fan-driven. So fans would be the ones who would be producing the fanzines. They would be producing the fan fiction. They would be um, speculating on on different things. They they canonised one of the comics. I don't think... it might have been just within that period they canonised they recently in the, in the episode I won't spoil the line Moffat is fairly good or fairly free let's say in canonising that stuff because in Night of the Doctor Paul McGann where, you know, when he's when he's about to regenerate he starts acknowledging all his previous companions and we've only seen him with one previous companion and all, all the names of the companions he's saying are companions who have appeared either in the book series or in the Big Finish audios. Oh, which, wow. Which actually, within themselves, contradict each other. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's an acknowledgement. And it was also during this time when it's like, right, we, we're never going to get any more new Doctor Who, but there are lost episodes, so we'll go and find the lost episodes, or we'll find stills, and we'll, we'll get the... Then they get some audio from it or something, or they acted out the script and put stills of it, and thinking, well, this is, this is great. This is, like, you know, this, is, this is a creative act in itself. Even though you are using pre-existing material, pre-existing property, yeah. yeah. But sorry to get back to the point. I was uh, there was an editor of the Doctor Who books who said, "I can't tell you how many book manuscripts I get that open with the line, the spaceship was floating in space.'" <laughs> that exact line just seems to be something that everyone thinks is a great open line. The spaceship was floating in space, and he said, "And that's the reason why." we don't really take unsolicited manuscripts because they're not very well written. Um, I mean, it's a great opening line to a space, like a satire. It's like a Douglas Adams novel. It is, yeah, yeah, like, yeah that's like, right. Like, as a Douglas Adams novel, like, that, that is a Douglas Adams line. Again, we get back to, there are people, there are, there are professionals who would try so hard to do something that artless, <laughs> that silly and stupid. But, uh, but yeah, the spaceship was floating in space is the lovely equivalent of a TARDIS full of bras. That's things, and you, and you could make that work because you know, Doug Adams wrote for who? Yes, he, that's right. Yeah, he did yeah, that, you yeah. know, yeah, you know, Armageddon Factor. Oh, I don't know. I think he was involved in Armageddon Factor. I know he did Seat of Death. I know he wrote he wrote an essay called Sharda. And I'm gonna that's just because we're we're on like 50 minutes already, so I'm gonna very quickly talk about Sharda. Um, You've got an hour. Sharda was a, a Tom Baker episode. I, I think it must have been. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to get the chronology right in my head. About uh, seventy-two, and it's shooting around Oxford, and they got they got a bit of footage around Oxford, and it's got it had to do with uh, this this time lord planet off somewhere, and and it was very it was very um, uh, it it was well it was set around Oxford. On oh, my mind's now going Cambridge, one of the Oxbridge, <laughs> um, but it was written by Douglas Adams, and it got shut down due to a strike, and they had a little bit of footage from it, and. Um, that footage turns up in The Five Doctors, because oh, wow. uh, in the episode The Five Doctors, which obviously doesn't actually feature Tom Baker, 
because he didn't want to come back to the role so soon. Oh right. Um, because, because, because Davison, Davison's the is the kind is the contemporary yeah. doctor in that one. It's got him punting down. Yeah, it's down the cam. It's in Cambridge. A punting down the cam, and then this big silvery thing comes out of the sky and like picks him up, and it's him. And that's using stock footage from Sharda, which obviously they still own the rights to. They never aired, they never aired the episode because they never finished it. They went on to re uh, to adapt the episode into a Doctor Who cartoon, like an animated thing, before they brought back the original series with the McGann Doctor saying oh, like. Right. There was this whole adventure thing I was supposed to have had, and I didn't have it because I got picked up in the fifth, the five doctors. I need to go and have that adventure. <laughs> and then they actually did a DVD release of it, where I, I can't, I can't for the life of me remember if they animated it or if they came, or if they did it with largely with stills. But they got Tom Baker to come back and do the episode, and oh, they got wow. they got the original cast back to come back and you know as far as they could. Yeah. And yeah, so that's the thing. Doctor Who, even episodes that never got made, have a life. And you know, and will eventually be found in Attics and Sierra Leone. Yeah, so. right. It's it is yeah. I mean, it's an amazing thing. It's big enough and yeah, well established enough, and also like yeah, cherished enough that it will survive the outrage over the being a female Doctor. And I am so looking forward to everyone doing a Heath Ledger and saying this is the definitive performance for this character after saying I will never watch this film because of this casting. And I, but I'm kind of holding out that, um, well, yeah, the Jodie Whittaker gets get some decent scripts, so she can establish a female doctor because it kind of has to work. Because if it doesn't, she yeah. will get all the blame. I mean, it's it's a real risk for her because if she gets duff scripts, she's going to get the blame for being not good as opposed to have not having yeah. good. And when when, when she it, regenerates, I hope Bill's there because I quite want to see Bill's reaction to the doctor turning into a woman. I think that be I think that be delightful. Yeah, but I, can I stick around a bit longer? <laughs> yeah, I want the Doctor's first line to be something like, I, I don't want there to be even be an acknowledgement that, because the, the Doctor has a line about so much more advanced than you guys, you know, with, in terms of gender, and don't even see any of that. Just the Doctor maybe, you know, maybe sort of going, okay, I'm the, I'm the new Doctor now, the ring's fallen off Capaldi's finger because Capaldi yeah. wears his wedding ring, and sort of maybe looks at himself in the mirror or has a moment of, you know, I feel different, I feel da da da. Still not ginger. I think that I, I think I think I think acknowledging the continuity of what the Doctor is and is not in terms of the in terms of you know in terms of a throwback would be really nice with that moment just to sort of say hey look this is she this is the Doctor the character has the character has changed but in it, as in all as in all things the character this is still the same character you will still absolutely learn to love them, you know, even, you know, there's, there's always, there's always a degree of, oh God, like, I'm at, I was upset when Matt Smith went, I, you know, Matt Smith, I, I was upset when Ten, Tennant went before Smith and I grew to love Smith arguably more than I did Tennant even. Yeah, I don't think anyone thought that they would love a Doctor as much as David Tennant and then Matt Smith came along and became officially the most cherished Doctor and yeah. so therefore Capaldi had a tough time but no, when you, I've enjoyed him as a doctor, I really have. Um, I mean, I think I think the episode um, Hell Bent, um, the the penultimate episode of the previous season, is arguably the if not if not the best, then well, no, I would say possibly say the best episode of New Who. Is that the one when he's punching through the ice? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or the the crystal, the uh, yeah. Oh, the crystal, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I did like that one. I yeah, I did. I thought it was it was it was a good character study episode, and I thought it was. I think it was it was one of those where you would have got a lot more out of it if you. The more you know about who, the more you get out of the episode. And I, yeah, because it is, cause, yeah, because it is putting this character who 
never really sticks around in a place where he has no choice but to stick around. And and really, he can't run away from this thing. He has to face what it is that's um, you know, tormenting him. And it was really good, but I, it wasn't. I think it was my favorite one, and I think part of the reason for that is because it's like, well, you need to know a lot about him to really you get everything that's going on here. And I'm, I'm not that much of a fan, but I do like it, yeah. But then I've, I've got the entire series you know, stacked up my box. I haven't watched it apart from the first episode with Bill, and I thought it was great. And I haven't watched any other, so I do need to get into it. But uh, and I need to watch it before Christmas Day, so I can then watch the Christmas episode. Yeah, because I'm going to be calling you on, on Christmas yeah. Day. I'm going to be uh, <laughs> saying, they were right. <laughs> the morons were right. <laughs> and, then we'll, and then we'll jump onto a podcast and we'll say, like, kind of, uh, we apologise to all morons. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're not going to apologise. They're not going to apologise when, when it turns out that she's really good. Well, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it'd be great if they did. It would be great if... Um, Oh, yeah, the fucking daily. Oh my god, the fucking daily man. I haven't talked about that yet. Oh, posting. One, one thing. So, in terms of ginger, is that a throwback to anything, or is it, have I just missed uh, that? It goes back to um, uh, David Tennant having regenerated, and sort of making a comment about not being ginger. Oh, okay. Right. And then Matt, when he when he regenerates Matt, to Matt Smith, he goes, "And I'm still not ginger." And and it's become like it's become like an ongoing thing. Right. Because well, David Tennant goes to Rose and he sort of breaks into it. Seriously, goes up to him and goes. I used to need you tell me, am I ginger? <laughs> and you know, I think I th- time for a ginger who, damn it! It's time for a ginger who. Anyway, so yeah, the Daily Mail. My God, they. Uh, um, sorry, it was in it was in the newspaper. I can't remember who it's written by now, but it was it was a think piece about how women are taking over telly, and there aren't any male. Uh, role models anymore and it was it started off with a paragraph it said there are many things that I'm not comfortable talk um, that I'm not comfortable with, with the idea of talking to a female doctor about and saving the world is one of them and it's like you fucking moron <laughs> you just you, you moron misogynistic twat well but it's like but, but, it, but the thing there I thought was we're thinking yeah because because men have never put the world at risk, have they? <laughs> I mean, it's like it's always been yeah, females that have been responsible for every single time we've almost approached a nuclear apocalypse. That's like, always been a woman I, behind I it. wouldn't feel comfortable asking the doctor to feel my prostate. So yeah, I'm not going to go to Peter Capaldi and say, actually, sorry, do you mind? I've got a bit of a lump back there. Quite, <laughs> And you are a doctor. And I, I need to get this done pretty quickly because I think you're going to regenerate into a woman and there's no woman that's going to... I'm, 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 I'm just not comfortable with that. And it was this thing about like... And then it's like, well, I'm sorry, but you've got Poldark and you've got like you know, a million shows. But they said, no, no, but there's Happy Valley... And even Broadchurch turned into like a male-hating show, and it's like, well, no, it didn't. It but never turned into it, like a male. Hating show. It was about the final season was about rape. It's well, like, but it's, it's presumably going to be turn out to be a male antagonist. That's right, and it was like, but it wasn't. A, it was a, it's not. This is not male hating. If I mean, fucking hell, it was one of those things where you just read it going like, it annoys me that you got paid hundreds and hundreds of pounds for this feature, and you are probably on. A sizable retainer, even if you are not, in fact, a staff writer, in which you will be on a very, very pretty penny indeed. To write fucking drivel, that really, I'd, that, go, that's further, I'd do... go further than drivel. I'd say bilge, bilge. Um, and it's just, I thought, wow, okay, that's. I'm just 
I, I, I don't know. I just think that this thing, well, this is the reason why I don't read the Daily Mail. Because <laughs> it's fucking... The reason I don't read the Yahoo comment section unless I'm looking to make myself feel bad. Yeah. And it's uh, Anyway, so we've been talking to, uh, for an hour. Uh, for what I said was going to be a 15-minute bonus episode. It's actually longer than our Batman vs. Superman episode. Um... <laughs> But it's been good to my dot <laughs> No, it's been, it's been a surprise. It's uh... no, it's been, and that's the thing. I think, I think Doctor Who is a show that is universal, and I think that male or female, the Doctor is a truly inspiring figure that I can't see going anywhere. Said you know, said, said, well, I, I said think you're right. Uh, he said in 1980, in 1989, surely. And that, if, but the thing is, at the time. In 1989, it wasn't making money for BBC One. And because of BBC Worldwide now, that BBC takes Worldwide. a lot of the stress. And Michael Grade, who was the controller, hated Doctor Who. And I think that Doctor Who actually has a lot of love at the BBC right now because it makes a lot of money for them. Um, so uh, therefore, yeah. Yeah, ultimately, I think it just harkened... Just to harken back to Colin Baker, his, his first words and that, and that wonderful tweet, change my dears, and not a moment too soon. 